Is Halloween just harmless fun, or should Christians avoid any sort of celebration related to this holiday? Dr. David K. Bernard weighs in on this debate in this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first-century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. So today is Halloween, and here in North America at least, we're going to see a lot of children. They're going to dress up in costumes. They're going to spend the evening going door-to-door, trick-or-treating, and asking for candy and all that good stuff that goes along with this particular holiday. And people are probably seeing ghosts and jack-o'-lanterns and skeletons and witches and all the other Halloween-related decor on houses in their neighborhoods. Now, a lot of Christians are divided over this. On one side, we have the people who see it all as just harmless fun. And on the other side, there are people, believers, who have very serious concerns about the spiritual side of this holiday. And some of those folks are, are adamantly against any kind of Halloween celebration, including any sort of possible substitute. As a pastor, you probably had church members that fell on both sides of this debate. How did you handle that disagreement and keep the peace between both sides? Do you have any advice for people who are conflicted about this? Yes, this can be quite a heated uh, issue. And and I'm, I want to use this question to answer broader questions because this is a simple example. But there are a lot of situations that Christians face in our modern society. So let's see if we can find common ground where people on all sides of this issue should agree or could agree. Uh, so let, let's let's talk about two extremes. So on the one hand, the Bible strongly teaches against witchcraft, uh, against necromancy, which is an attempt to contact the dead. For example, if you read Deuteronomy chapter 18, you have some very strong condemnations. So I think all Christians should agree anything that promotes the devil, Satanism, genuine witchcraft, magic, and by magic, I don't mean sleight of hand like card tricks and you know children's games that we, we often are illusions. Um, that's not what I'm talking about, but magic in the sense of trying to alter nature or control nature using spiritual forces that are not of God, then then anything like that should be off limits to Christians. So we talk about horoscopes, astrology, Ouija boards, uh, seances. We should 100% avoid that kind of stuff. All Christians should agree. On the other hand, there are things that originated with pagan customs or have some pagan connotations but n- nobody realistically thinks of them as pagan worship today. And so we participate in them just as part of modern culture. I would say everybody who's uh, listening or watching has some things in their life they may not know. But for example, if you use the days of the week in English, Sunday was to honor the sun god, Monday the moon god, uh, Wednesday, the Norse god Woden. Thursday, the the Norse god or Germanic god Thor. So everybody is doing Saturday, the god Saturn, or uh, January, the Greek or the the Roman god Janus. Uh, so nobody that I'm aware of, there may be somebody out there would would say refuse to say 
Monday and insist on saying second day of the week. Why? Because we don't think of that as honoring the moon god, and the people we talk to don't think of it as honoring the moon god. Now, if we're really honoring the moon god, that would be a sin. Or if the people we're talking to honestly go away thinking, wow, that Christian worships the moon, well, then that would be wrong. So I've given you two extremes, one where we clearly should avoid pagan or satanic embalmment, the other where we have divorced whatever the original context or connotation was, we've eliminated that and we've appropriated it for our own culture. And nobody realistically thinks that it is promoting paganism. So those are the two extremes. So where do you meet in the middle? Now, it's interesting. I was raised in Korea. There was no Halloween. That is an American or Western culture. Now, in very rare occasions, we were allowed to go into the U.S. Army base, and and uh, there was also a Baptist missionary compound that had um, American-style living. And so there were occasions where my parents would let us dress up in costumes and go door-to-door in these limited cases and get candy. Now, my mom was pretty strict. Nothing to do with death or witches or demons or anything like that, but just, you know, what? there's nothing wrong in principle. There's nothing wrong with the costume party. In principle, there's nothing wrong with giving candy. In principle, there's nothing wrong with a fall festival and bobbing for apples or whatever traditional games you want to do. So that was what my parents said. If you can find a way to do something that's wholesome, that's not demonic, that's not satanic, has nothing to do with that, okay. Now, if we were doing this on, you know, uh, July 31st or August 31st, then probably nobody would mind. If we said, let's have a costume party and and uh, let's bring some hay, have a hay ride, and let's have some pumpkins and uh, let's bob for apples on August the 31st, then I don't think anybody could justly condemn that. Those are wholesome activities. Uh, so the question becomes, what if you do it on October 31st? So some people say, oh, you're caving into the culture. And others say, no, you're taking that day away from evil and you're promoting godly values. Now, I personally, as a pastor, thought that's a good strategy. So typically what we did, I, I would teach and say, look, uh, there's an area of Christian liberty, and I'll talk about that in a moment. I'm going to let each family decide what you want to participate in, but nothing demonic, nothing satanic, nothing uh, with genuine witchcraft or evil magic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing that promotes death. But here's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to have a fall festival, a harvest fest. Uh, We're going to go out on the parking lot and we're going to have games and we're going to have little booths and uh, we're going to have car trunks, Dedicate, uh, open with little games like uh, like you might see at uh, maybe some fair or some special event like like you're throwing it uh, throwing at a goal or um, you know at a target and uh, we're gonna have candy we're gonna have ice cream we're gonna have cotton candy various things and so you can bring your family in a safe Christian wholesome environment because today you know. Some neighborhoods are perfectly fine, but other neighborhoods, it has become more secular and more demonic. It's not like years ago when I'm talking about my childhood, even in America, the average person might have seen it. It's just a neighborhood 
walk, and it's just a neighborhood event. Where today, it ha- many people do use Halloween as a time for evil and for uh, wild parties, and uh, even it's not always so safe. So this provides a Christian alternative. Also, it provides an opportunity to invite unsafe family, friends, neighbors to be exposed to the church in a wholesome way to see, look what the church can do. So personally, I thought, we're not compromising. Actually, if anything, we're being countercultural. Uh, we're saying these are Christian values. If you want to know what Christian values are, if you want to know what Christian fun is, if you want to know what wholesome family is, here's where you go. So you got a choice of going to something evil or a choice of going to something wholesome. I, I really see nothing wrong with a church or a family providing a wholesome alternative uh, for these key times. Now, somebody might even disagree with that. Well, you shouldn't do anything. You shouldn't even recognize there is such a day. Well, we live in the real world. Everybody knows about it. So I don't really see what the problem is by the, by the church promoting Christian values. We would do that 365 days a year. But I do think so so I've tried to give give you a spectrum where two extremes we can all agree in the middle we might differ on how do we choose to to operate as a family or as a church. And I think there's room for Christian liberty. If you read 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul dealt with a very real issue in his culture. And again, I come from a different perspective because that very issue exists in Korea where I grew up. And that is people would go to a pagan temple, in the case of Korea, Buddhist temple, but in ancient times they would go to the temple of Greek and Roman gods and goddesses. They would offer food to the idols. It was a form of worship. Of course, the idol couldn't actually eat the food, so the priest would take it and eat it. And then if there was extra food, the priest would sometimes go sell it on the market. And this typically happened with meat, which was was rare and costly and extravagant, luxurious. So the question arose in Christian circles, um, if you buy some meat in the marketplace, it could have actually been offered to an idol. Or if you go to a feast at your neighbor's house, your neighbor might well have either dedicated that meat to an idol or he might have purchased that meat from a temple. And and so you're eating meat offered to idols. What should you do? So Paul explained, now wait just a minute. We're, we're, we're Christians. Um, evil doesn't have any power over us. Idols are no gods at all, although demonic forces can be connected. But he said, in principle, eating meat that had been offered to an idol isn't going to hurt you. Because the idol has no power, and Jesus does. However, if you knowingly eat that, so if your neighbor says, I dedicate this meat to this God, and then you eat, well, then for that neighbor, it would appear that you are condoning idolatrous worship. Or maybe there's a new Christian that's just been converted from idolatry, and he watches you eating this food. He's going to think, oh, it's okay for Christians to worship idols. And so Paul says, don't do it. Uh, Not because that meat can hurt you, but you don't want to leave the impression that you're participating in idolatry. And for the sake of a weaker Christian that might look at you and not understand that eating meat uh, can't hurt you. And he thinks, wow, and and it would cause him to stumble and go back to idolatry. So even if you aren't worshiping idols and you know it, if it can leave a wrong impression on the unbeliever you're trying to win or a fellow believer that's new in the faith and weak in the faith, 
then don't do it. He said, I'd rather not eat meat again my whole life if it would cause another brother to stumble. Uh, the King James says offend, but it doesn't mean make them mad. So we're not talking about someone says, I'm mad at you. You shouldn't be doing this. You're a compromiser. No, it's talking about someone that says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to compromise. You're compromising the faith. I'm going to lose my faith in God. I'm going to go back to idolatry. In other words, it's the weaker brother, the person that's weak in faith that would have this problem, not someone who's supposed to be strong in faith. Someone strong in faith should say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about what that guy does. It's not going to bother me. I'm going to do what I feel is right. <laughs> so if you go around protesting your brother, you're kind of saying, well, I'm the weaker brother that can't, can't stand this example. I'm going to backslide over this. So you better stop. Uh, but anyway, uh, then, so Paul goes on to explain. So if you go to your neighbor's house and he says, I'm offering this to an idol, don't do it. But what if you go to your neighbor's house and you don't know what he might've done last week? Or what if you go to the market and you buy some food and you don't know where it came from? Don't worry about it. Just eat. Your conscience is clear. You are not worshiping idols. Nobody looks at you, thinks you're worshiping idols. So you don't have to worry about it. Idol is nothing. The meat is nothing. Just glorify God. Your conscience is clear. But if someone tells you it's offered to idols and thereby they would think you're worshiping idols, then don't do it for conscience sake. Not your conscience, but the conscience of the person that is observing. So I, I took a long time there, but I think we can apply this to things here today. So if we know we're not promoting paganism or idolatry or Satanism, and we feel a good conscience about doing something, that's one thing. But if there's an observer who's weak in the faith or an unbeliever who would be confused, then we shouldn't participate. So even though we have the liberty to participate, we shouldn't do anything that will be a stumbling block. Now, that's for us. But when we look at another family in the church or maybe another church, um, so we might make a decision for our family or our pastor might make a decision for our church. And by the way, nothing I'm saying is trying to undermine what a pastor decides is appropriate for their church, their culture, their city, the families that they've won and their background of those families, you know, the pastor, we the best one to know what's appropriate. And so I think you should follow him. But what if a different church does something different? Well, it's not up to us to condemn them. It's up to us to say, we're going to make the right choice for our family. And we're going to follow our pastor in what he has guided our church. And if you're a pastor, you know, as a pastor, I will make what I think is the best decision for our church. And I don't want anybody attacking me for that. On the other hand, I'm not going to go out and attack somebody else. So Romans 14, and I'm not just strictly talking about your original question, but I'm, I'm giving you a, a broad answer that would help in a variety of cultural issues. So Romans 14, I've got the New King James here. Um, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made able to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. 
he who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. So you can read the whole chapter, but that just kind of sets the tone. And so I would make an application that if you feel like doing nothing at all on, on October 31st is different from what you normally do, that's fine. If you choose to have a wholesome uh, opportunity to gather with family and friends and church, and you do it unto the Lord, I don't think that's wrong. I think we have liberty to choose what we think is appropriate. And we shouldn't ridicule people for their choice, and we shouldn't condemn people for their choice. Now, nothing I say means you should promote Satanism, witchcraft, magic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I am talking in the context of worshiping God uh, and f- walking in holiness. And I do believe there is an area of Christian liberty that each local pastor guides the church and each family makes wholesome decisions within their own context. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share Apostolic Life in the 21st Century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.